Uh, welcome everyone to the Elmore Leonard's podcast here where we break down all things Elmore Leonard starting with some films based on the books and short stories by Elmore Leonard. Um, I'm, I'm Al. I'm Ken. I'm Drew. And we're here. Uh, Drew's in Texas and uh, dad and I are in Flint, Michigan. Um, I do want to take some time before we get into Tall T. Uh, you were telling a story about how you had a chance to meet Elmore Leonard. Right. But, but. Yeah, there's a, a girl I used to work with. She got a job at Cranbrook, which is a prep school in the suburbs of Detroit. And uh, <clears throat> in the, uh, eventually uh, her employment ended and she came back to work uh, with us at the theater. And uh, uh, one day, uh, well, I helped her out hooking up a washer and a dryer for her in her new digs. And uh, uh, so she, she was a friend of mine. And uh, so she came up to me and she said, hey, uh, I've gotten this invitation uh, to an event at Cranbrook. And it's an Elmore Leonard book signing. And, it's, uh, and she handed me the invitation and she said, I know you like Elmore Leonard. so." I thought if you wanted to go, she said, I'm not going. So you can take you and a guest and go. And I couldn't find anybody that wanted to go with me. And I don't know, I worked or I did something else. And yeah. to this day, I am so, so regretful that I didn't <laughs> do to just grit it out, put on my best clothes and drive down there, find where it was. And be a fanboy. And for just show evening. up and, yeah, yeah. and just be a guy, a minch, you know that knew a little bit about Elmore Leonard, but I had the chance to take a yeah. hardcover book and actually meet him and have him sign it. Yeah. And uh, I'm sad I didn't. Yeah. I, I mistakenly thought he would live forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry to make you relive that, but it, that was it is an interesting story. Um, so it, don't, don't pass up any opportunities you have on something that you're interested in. They say, don't meet your heroes, but go meet them. Go meet them. What yeah. the heck? So what if it turns out bad? Yeah. Let me tell you, life and show business have taught me that most of them are bad. But that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would wager that he would be a pretty chill yeah, dude. Yeah, I think so. Just based on... I see how he reacts in interviews. Everything. Yeah. yeah. He's so... He's, he's calm he's as a cute. <laughs> so... So this episode we're doing we're going out west again, based on another short story uh, set in those 1950s pulp magazines that he would submit to. Um, the movie came out in 1957, same as that 310 to Yuma. It's based off the short story The Captives. Captives. Um, yeah, another great western with. Randolph Scott, known for his westerns, and Bud, how do you say his last name, do you think? Betcher? Bettner. Bettner? Bettner. Okay. I think. Okay. It's a B-O-E. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's a T, then it's Bet, uh, which I knew a guy. So it ends in C-H, though, so I think it's Betcher. Betcher. Okay. That, that's probably what it is, Betcher. Okay. Uh, or Betcher or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it could be the 
So he's also known for his slew of Westerns. Very so, famous uh, Western uh, director. Okay. Uh, famous for finding a terrific location. Uh, so do you think this is all on location? Why? Like, it sure looks wide. like it. Do you uh, think it's Matt, any of it? With the uh, scenery? Yeah, I don't that? think so. Okay. Because, well, for one thing, 1957, while they did have Matt, this was basically your crank it out low budget okay it was only high budget because of the people involved okay uh, yeah. you know the if you look the the production values you know it's there that whole Basic. scene with the shack yeah you know they you can see they built that shack into that <laughs> hole and they put the old raggedy yeah. thing on it and they set up their dolly track yeah where they could run with them and then he shot it oh i don't know eight ten different angles yeah, yeah. things that sort of changed once you get in the shaft that's a studio. Right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, those wide panels, because I'm like, okay, is this a back lot studio with a matte scenery behind it? Right. But now, then they do these long shots. I'm like, yeah. hell, that's well, a location. What I noticed was the stage, you know, the stage is running across in front of the mountains way off yeah. in the distance. Yeah, yeah, And so it's all perfectly balanced. Yeah. And as it goes, the mountains slowly yeah. reduce in size and then they arrive. Yeah, you know? so you're so, you're thinking that's just good location scouting, right? And I know that about him because I saw the the documentary on him that he was famous for that. Okay. So I'm pretty sure he said, okay. "Hey, I found a great spot to shoot our movie." That's good. <laughs> and that's and good. whatever they had to shoot inside, they did back in the studio in a day and a half. Cool. And shot in color. And when um, you know, when that. That was that was unusual. The three ten to Yuma made the same year. Yeah, shot, shot black, black and white. white. Yeah. <laughs> so those like those um those reds pop on yeah. that old film. Yeah, yeah. they do. Uh, contention and Bisbee get used. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Same as in uh, the three ten to Yuma. Yeah. Right. That that part of Arizona. Also, the back you know backstory is like railroads coming through. This old town's not going to be little anymore or something or you you know your way of life is going away the railroad's right. coming same things 310 right the 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 stagecoach stage. station like the the stop along a stagecoach route isn't going to be useful once the train comes in they have train right. stations right. yeah okay the train yeah. goes That's through those gone yeah. and the stagecoach driver is uh, is done right, right. Be out of business um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> the little like store um they have like supplies or or just right. the, like yeah feed water horses right they would switch horses with well watered ones yeah um one thing i like i like a good gourd tool when you take a gourd and you make a, a tool out of that <laughs> when i saw that spoon and i was like all right <laughs> yeah that was, nice. that was a nice touch <laughs> those guys knew how to make a western <laughs> um I did notice the, the the young boy, the son of the uh, at the stagecoach station, had a mm -hmm. uh, ring on his left ring finger. I was like, "Married?" I know Mark. What do you think? Because I, <laughs> like, I pointed it out to Jan. I said, "The kid's got a, a wedding ring on," <laughs> and uh, she never did catch it. You know, after that, but yeah. I, I spotted a good eye, Drew. Yeah, it was on Jeff. Jeff was the was the name of the son. Yeah. And I noticed he wore okay, suspenders, but not a belt. So. <laughs> <laughs> um 
and him dying that is uh, that is unusual yeah for a youngster like that but that's what i say this this movie has a a good dose of political incorrectness yeah uh that like we talked about the nickname for better or for worse yeah yeah. the nickname chink yeah uh the all the all the talk you know the 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 philosophy is almost you know when they talked about their values and stuff yeah it's almost obscene how yeah. they yeah it's, feel it's about like a graphic know, uh things that are un- unusual feelings to have yeah in this day and yeah, age. yeah um what i felt like was kind of an elmore move was that the bad guys trying to reason with the you know so like richard boone's character ready to move on Right. So they're giving him more dimension. He's not just this ruthless killer, which he is because he threw a child in a, a dead child in a well. Right. And had no dead. compunction about right. killing everybody there. Right. Just so he would not get caught. Right. So he's ruthless when you meet him. But then he's just like, I can't stand this team that I'm with. They're just young, horny dudes. that All they right. talk about is getting with girls and I'm sick of it and I'm ready to settle down. <laughs> now, this actually reflects a bit of the real Richard Boone. Okay. Because he was considered the, the, the Shakespeare of television. Okay. In his day, he, he acted Shakespeare and he had that refinement. His father was a big time corporate lawyer. He was uh, private schooled. Okay. And graduated from Stanford. Okay. And so he was, he was not a slouch. And uh, uh, when they talked to him, he, he ended up in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, before his uh, untimely death uh, from cancer. Uh, He got pneumonia, but the cancer caused the pneumonia. Okay. And uh, 63 years old, he died. And he's one of the things they asked him about, they interviewed him when he was in Florida. He was kind of acting as a cultural ambassador to try and get people. He actually lived in St. Augustine. And uh, and he he talked about that he had uh, go to hell money. He'd made okay. enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. He could tell yeah. him to go to hell. Somebody money. said, Do yeah. you miss it? You know, yeah. he went, No, I made go to hell money and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And uh and so a lot of it he didn't like because it, he he thought it was lowbrow. Okay. And one of the reasons why he quit, he quit and left Hollywood and lived in Hawaii for a while prior to moving to Florida. Okay. And uh he tried some stuff there, some um, you know, uh like community theater stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh because he he did a couple of real high power shows, made a lot of money. Paladin was one, and then there was a medical show okay. where he was Doctor Heck or something. Okay, you know? and uh, it, people wrote him letters and asked for medical advice. Oh, I mean, that's, okay, that you know, level of it was that you know okay. popular with especially with women. Because how was Have Gun Will Travel? What well, kind of if you, show was that? If you uh, he played well, he was Paladin. Okay, uh, Paladin was one of the was one of the like the royal guard of uh charlemagne okay they were called paladins okay and and they were like uh moral uh badasses okay you know? all right they yep. they were like the original robin hood kind of okay guys and paladin was a guy uh, he operated out of a, a bar i think but he had a card have gun will travel okay if you had troubles you could see him and hire him. Okay. And then people would send him letters. So every episode he's helping like a new. Helping somebody get out of a jam. Okay. Okay. Uh, And so if you, you know, if you say Richard Boone and the people don't know who he is, if you say he was Paladin, they go, oh, I, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I should say people of a certain age. Sure. Uh, 
because you guys never saw. Did you ever see Have Gun Will Travel, Drew? No, no, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. no, I never. Uh, like, I only I'm, knew it because a big fan it. of westerns. To be honest, uh, it's just somewhere just like the the pacing or just the some of just they can be tougher to watch when it's been uh, from from yeah, the pace. different era. Remember yeah. the other heroes of the time, Rifleman, which Chuck Connors, who was a first baseman for the. Los Angeles Dodgers. These are other uh, shows Westerns at the same time. At the same time okay. Or right. right around that time. Yeah. Uh, Steve McQueen okay. uh, was, uh, oh, I can't, now I can't remember the name of the show, but he had a sawed off rifle okay. that he carried in a holster. Okay. All right. Uh, I think it was Wanted, maybe, okay. or The Bounty Hunter, one of those okay. like that. Yeah. And, uh, and th- those are all of that sort of same uh, come to you for help, get you out of trouble. Right. Hero, anti-stoic, noble, right? You know, morally correct. Okay. So, so Richard Boone ended up having his own show called the Richard Boone Show, where he did repertoire. Okay. So every week was a different story by someone, and he usually directed. He directed about half of them, and he appeared probably in most of them. Okay. In an effort to uh, get him, and it, it failed. It lasted one year. Okay. Which was a season back then, and. uh it made him so mad that they took it off the air. He quit. Oh, wow. Quit and acting. Quit acting, basically. Okay. Like I say, he went to Hawaii and kind of messed around with it there. And when he was in Florida, he was a painter because hmm. his mother was a painter. Okay. So I think he had it in him. Sure. And That's I'm sure he studied it. Yeah. Um, I do remember you saying, have gun, will travel. You adopted. Yeah, that I adopted for, that. For I business had, cards. My card was have tools, will travel. Which I suggested to Drew have hands will travel. Yeah, we'll sign. Because <laughs> yeah. because you've been all over the country as a sign language interpreter. Yeah. We'll do yeah. we'll we'll do some headshots, throw that on the front of it. Yeah. Show your hands as you're interpreting. Have hands will travel. And we'll put a little knight chess piece in the corner of the picture. Because that was paladins. That was the reference to paladin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. When you're in town, we'll get the camera. We'll set up the studio. You're set. (laughs) Yeah, I'll set from there. (laughs) Put your career in our hands. We got you, man. Only a small percentage is good. Yeah. 10%. Oh, and um, speaking of other uh, actors and actresses in this movie, uh, Maureen Sullivan used to, I read that she used to play Jane in the Tarzan TV uh, series. Her way younger days. Okay. Yeah. Because one of the things that was politically incorrect was how they spoke about her. Talk about kind of plain. plain. <laughs> That's, I wrote down that Ms. Gateway is not pretty enough for a drunk, lazy, aloof stagecoach driver. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what was his name? Rintoon. Yeah, Rintoon. <laughs> I feel like I've, ru- I've run into those people before at like some crazy bar where they're just alcoholic lazy unemployed but they have impossible high standards Standards. (laughs) where you're like what i don't don't think you can afford to be so picky there buddy look at you i thought and on the on the red red rentuna my favorite line of his or his saying was a lunkety plunk i have no (laughs) idea what it means but I loved it. 
<laughs> he he's strictly once again character. from the character from all those westerns. It could be uh, a Chill Wills or um, a Grandpa McCoy, who was real McCoy. from the real McCoy. Okay. Once again, I or dementia. I can't think of his name, but all those guys they were in John Wayne movies. They were always that comic relief, like yeah. you say, either the the jailer, the stagecoach driver, Walter Brennan. Right that's him. Yeah, that's Jeez. him. That's the. Uh, the real McCoy. Because <laughs> he played, was it shoot up at the OK Corral? Played a villain? Oh, he might have. I don't remember. That, was, that, a, that was the strangest, because here's Walter Brennan. Right. With his cadence and his voice and everything. And he's supposed to be the nasty guy, the basically the guy that Powers Booth played in Tombstone, that like leader of that game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm not buying it. Did you ever see Judge Roy Bean? Yeah, uh, because he was pretty good at he. There was two Judge Roy Beans. One was Paul Newman. The other one okay. was Walter Brennan way much earlier. Okay. And he actually played a pretty good villain, a pretty good Judge Roy okay. Bean. Okay. But right. that, well, again, was a composite character, you know, that sort of bad guy that has redeeming features. Yeah. Sort of anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. Sort yeah. of put in place by circumstance rather than a core evil. Yeah. You know, yeah. So he he was good in that. Um, speaking on pacing, Drew, like lately, in order to, so like, we put Iona down to bed, so we have a, maybe a few hours of just relaxation before we go to bed as well. So we'll take a couple of hours. We'll read or we'll watch TV. Lately, I've been having to not watch TV because it's just too stimulating. I don't sleep well. Yeah. So if I read, I'll go to mm -hmm. bed easier. But I've also been just watching older TV shows or movies that have a completely different pace from the modern pace. And it lulls me right to sleep. I've been watching The Saint yeah. with Roger Moore <laughs> and The Avengers. Another good one. With um, uh, Diane Rigg. Diana, Diana Rigg, yeah, Emma Peel, yeah. Emma Peel, yeah. yeah. So I would recommend using that pace to kind of lull you to sleep. <laughs> I usually fall asleep pretty easily. <laughs> well, you don't have that problem then. Congratulations. But yeah, I, uh, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I so uh, what I, what I do. I mean, it's not that I dislike Westerns. Just like it can be, the pacing on them can be like so different from one to the other. But what I do like in almost all these early Westerns, there's a, there's a certain code that they follow. And this one followed it too of like the good guy doesn't shoot someone in the back. And, yeah. um, you know, like the good guy also doesn't run away from the fight because the, um, yeah. the guy in the stagecoach, they were like, Hey, they were surrounded. They had the, the goons had showed up. They had him at gunpoint where they're robbing what they thought was the regular stagecoach and not the honeymoon stagecoach the guy went for the shotgun anyways, even though there was three people with guns already drawn. Like, but in these Westerns, like the good guy can't just like, okay, I submit, I, you know, I'll just surrender. Like in these movies, like, you know, that that person's going to die. But in these movies, there's this code that they follow that they can't just let it go. Or just there's, there's no, like let the bad guys win. They can never show a hint of that in these types of movies. Which is exactly what the pulp magazines want because you're, your your audience is like a 11 yes. year old boy that needs to know like right from wrong mm -hmm. right right did you yeah. read pulp magazine 
comics. Okay. You know, and the, and the comics had a code. Yeah. You know, and that was like no bad guy could succeed. Okay. The movies also had the same code. Yeah. Uh, if you were a bad guy, you could not come out on top at the end of the movie. Yeah. You had to die or yeah or get sent to prison forever or lose everything. And- or or if you were spineless, you couldn't like right yeah like the husband having to take off and like I'll make a deal right. with you. Uh, evil could not triumph. There was a yeah. code for that. Yeah. And, and a lot of that reflects in the, the writing of throughout the movie, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you say, the bad guy couldn't do certain things. The good guy couldn't do certain yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. So and, I, and I do enjoy that guy in the tall T used the good guy's moral fortitude yeah, against to, him. Yeah. I'm going to ride out of here and you're not, cause I know you won't shoot me in the yeah. back. And he's like, turn around. <laughs> you you got to turn around. And I kind of um, like, it's kind of, it's almost like breaking the fourth wall a little bit of like the bad guy, just knowing what the code is in these Westerns and knowing what he can get away with. <laughs> he should have turned to the camera, winked. Watch this. Once. Yeah. <laughs> he, right, can't get right. he should have Rorschacked. The... <laughs> um, yeah. I don't want to keep saying the nickname of Henry Silva, but that was, that was glaring. <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I just, I figured just, I would say just the, the gunmen, the bandits, the held. I, I just, I don't want to contribute. That. I just, I don't want to say his character's name. Uh, well, but well, I he has a, a whole career of playing weird character because he also plays an Asian person in the Manchurian candidate with, Right, Sinatra. Oh, so just you just which mentioned Canada because there's the the remake of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the older one, he um, so he must had a face structure and yeah. dark hair and a complexion that the high cheekbones. For <laughs> yeah, I did like his character though. I thought he was kind of a Charlie Prince. I, like I the, how calm he played, how cool he was. Yeah, and ruthless, cool and ruthless. And you couldn't trust him either. Like he he was a loose cannon, but he right. he concealed yeah, it with. It was fairly easy to convince him to like question his leader. Like just your captain or like the person you've like under your guard of like your is able well, to convince you and like put down in your head. That's what Pat Brennan used. He used the fact that what was Richard Frank Usher told him, "I'm getting out of here because I can't stand." Right. These horny dudes. So then he just goes to those dudes and just like, hey, I know you're lonely. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go in that cave and try to sneak a peek? And boom, instantly, because they're in the middle of the Arizona territory. Yeah. Lonely. They haven't seen a woman for years. Yeah. And, uh, and so a plain and, woman. And there's nothing up his sleeve. No reason to be suspicious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It was a pretty gruesome death because uh, they were like struggling for what was that was that a shotgun or a rifle? I think it was a yeah, shotgun. Shotgun and yeah, blew his face. The shit just oh, like or I was, like, was somewhat surprised. Yeah, like, look, uh, and she immediately looked. Yeah, I was a little surprised of how like point blank that was because usually in these movies it's not as like yeah like yeah. It's right, right. <laughs> it's, right. He, they they were they were pushing some yeah. limp boundaries yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, because it's in color too. Yeah. So you see that that red pops. Yeah. 
also on the color, I wonder if the original thought is that they're going to do in black and white because Frank Usher's outfit consists of an olive green jacket, a maroon shirt, and a turquoise handkerchief. Now, I, I wondered you, about the turquoise okay. handkerchief. I said to Jan, does it seem like He's this clashing. rough and yeah. tumble <laughs> guy has kind of a, a flair? A, a bit of a, you know. Uh, and so you're right. Uh, in Superman, you know, the blue was some other color. Mm -hmm. uh, so that on black and white, it, it could appear as blue. Okay. Because blue did not register. You couldn't... Yeah. Uh, you couldn't imagine that it was blue, but I have to think that in those days, 57, that late, they had dailies. So they okay. were, they were looking at this stuff every day. Okay. You know, they were shipping the, okay. the reels off to LA yeah. and doing them overnight. And a guy was watching the next day while they were shooting the next yeah. scenes. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. But, um, but that is a good point that, yeah. Did they not care because like, well, this is just going to be in black and white. It's a Western or. Right. Yeah, let's just throw some color. I mean, yeah. I like it. I like they, the splash. Of color. Yeah, they had to. They had to test all that stuff. Though. Yeah. They were like, okay. Then. Um, also, on the film, you can kind of tell it sort of jolts when there's a fade coming, and that's probably like the next film coming on top of yeah. it Could to be. begin the fade. Could be back in the days of manual. Yeah, transfer. Yeah, that always happened. There yeah. was always a like a pop, 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 yeah, pop, a pop. Yeah. yeah that your mind grew to ignore right <laughs> oh and uh i think uh so there's a couple lines that i enjoyed in a and probably the funniest part of the movie that was probably not meant to be funny but uh, <laughs> the other favorite line was was delivered by pat brennan the character uh i loved his like you can't kind of short on time the rhythm of that line how short it was but it was a it had a like you can't kind of short on time has that yeah she that's the way we talk but it has like uh i just enjoyed it i like that line that and lunkety plunk from ed rentoon <laughs> and uh my favorite funniest part which probably wasn't meant to be any comment it was just when uh the candy gets swatted away so they like he's bringing back candy for the little boy for jeff who's possibly married already um, <laughs> he's bringing back some like mint candy like hard candies. Uh, Andrew, it was cherry. It was Thank cherry. I forgot Jeff's favorite flavor. It was cherry. He he said he wouldn't mind cherry at all. And they <laughs> toss it to, I think he tossed it to Billy Jack, and he just backhands the candy away, just swaps it. <laughs> Actually, Richard Blue so takes hard. it and takes a piece out and puts it in his mouth. <laughs> then he hands it yeah. to Paladin, who tosses it. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. This then is, he slaps it out yeah. of his. <laughs> and this is after wow. Jeff is in the well. Yes. Dead. Dead. <laughs> Moldering, ruining the water for the rest of us. Right. That that's awesome. Like, yeah, dead body in the water. Like, you're poisoning countless oh, you others. That well. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they are agents of chaos for sure. But I think I was most upset about the candy being wasted and swatted away. <laughs> yeah. I know. The I work that he gave good money for that yeah. candy. And he <laughs> walked it. Loved it. For Jeff. <laughs> and and that scene, I didn't realize how important the scene was when he's taking the bet on the bull. Because that's the whole thing that 
gets him walking on, on foot. onto the on the stage. Because yeah. I'm watching this, I'm like, is this just filler that they're trying to make it a certain length? And I'm just like, this right. is this is just like this is going nowhere. And then I'm like, oh, this is what gets him to need the lift in the first place. Right. And and then there is a there's a ton of character development, of course. Yeah. When he when he the punches the guy yeah. out the for making fun of him. Yeah. You know. Which and, the ram so the reoccurring theme is the ramrod is laughing at him when he falls on his keister. And then so is Frank is laughing at him later on. So it's kind of both of those guys that are laughing at him end up getting their comeuppance. Because they're both laughing in the same way in this very mocking. Yeah. Like, look how stupid you looked when you did that. That type of thing. Yeah. So So you're the big... What they call him uh, Ram? Well, like Ramrod. Ram yeah, yeah. this is your big Ramrod. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that we know from rodeos that it ain't easy to ride no dang bull. He's Hell just riding no. to a, to a standstill. Yeah, they only got to ride for eight seconds no, in the yeah. road. So, so get on that bull and give me a world record for a rodeo right. rider. You ride till the bull gets tired? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's good you're, you're a cool horse too because yeah. you see the horse have it yeah the that, horse was colored it was very unusual i've never seen a horse that color yeah and, and what's the name of the horse clay <clears throat> clay top or not claymore but yeah but it had something to do with that yeah is uh, the breed of the horse yeah owner. that that particular not pinto but yeah kidney bean or yeah. something <laughs> i don't know um but another common theme, uh, I mean, we uh, we did Life of Crime. In that one, there's uh, the husband is, you know, rans- is, you know getting a ransom for yes. the, yeah. the Both wife. Fine. And then this one also, like, yeah. just the scummy dirtbag husband wants to ransom his wife. And, they're, like, they're, like, similar themes. Uh, yeah, they thought about that. Yeah. That's an interesting device that he used in both movies. Yeah. Probably you know? 30 years apart or 20 yeah. years apart. Um, no, I also like in these movies, like, other than like, so there's the code of certain things that they, good guys can and can't do and bad guys can and can't do. But then there's also like the bullet gets to decide or like dialogue is like more powerful than the bullet. Uh, like in the, in the scene where you like, the, the, the shot is lethal enough to kill him but he was able to run into the cave and then back out and talk and still have continued dialogue before. That down. confused me. Frank yeah. Usher's death. I, yeah, was like, death. I was like, uh, so it was that one shot was lethal enough to ultimately kill him. But after like being shot, they run into the cave and run back out before dying. Like, so like this, it's just these Westerns. That's a, like, sometimes I'm like, all right. I, like, I get you have to, like Hollywood, but that much, that's a lot to like suspend disbelief on. Yeah. You have yeah. to choose to look over yeah. it. Right. Well, there's a, there's a lot of that when they, when they go to start talking somebody into something, you think, wait a minute, I wouldn't get, they couldn't talk me into that that yeah. easy. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I know, let me go along. I'll talk to the old man. I'll get him to, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't need you to do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> You stay here. Because, yeah. <laughs> hell, you give the guy a chance to, to get the law or get a posse to surround yeah. the thing. And, yeah. you know, they make other plans, you know. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, some of that is a little hard to, but once again, like it's because how much time do they have? You know, yeah. well, we got to yeah, move yeah. things along. And like you're yeah. saying, such production cost was <laughs> almost at zero when it came to this thing. Like, I guess they had to build the, the city and, but I mean, well, that, had an old that was ranch. probably already built. Yeah, exactly. And they just had to rent that. Yeah, and, and then, then you had to move over one block to get the ranch. Right. And then you just found an abandoned mine. And, and then he went out and found it. those. He was famous for yeah. it. He found them for dozens of movies. Yeah. And uh, so. Yeah. And that Bud Bodiker, <laughs> Bodicher, um, he was a big bullfighter, right? Huge, huge into bullfighting. Made a bullfighting movie. Probably one of the few that get it right. That that even show bullfighting. That's true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere where he, that's where he got his start. He was just kind of like a, an assistant or like a man, like a runner for a production that was down in Mexico. And then he got the bug for it and then came back and started doing these Westerns, but then decided to do a documentary on a famous bullfighter in Mexico and him and his wife moved down. And in a course of seven years, so I might be taking this from Wikipedia, which is a grain of salt. Yeah. But stayed down there for seven years, got divorced, got near fatal illness, went into an insane asylum. <laughs> and sounds right. <laughs> the accidental death of the star that he was doing the documentary on and the entire film crew. Right. So they, they must have been in a bus and had an accident and no one survived something. or something. But yeah, not as. Yeah. It's very complex than what you think of just a simple director yeah, of westerns. Yeah, he had an unusual life. Uh, yeah. Uh, but in you know, like they say in many ways, uh, everybody's life is a movie. Yeah. Uh, some better than others, but Yeah. Yeah. You know, the funny twists and turns and the funny coincidences mm -hmm. and the uh, run into later or never see again or Yeah. You know. And Randolph Scott, he's associate producer on this movie. Oh, so yeah. at this time, he he's making the fuck you money. He's a, he's a powerful man. Yeah, at this time in Hollywood, okay, uh, probably one of the most well known uh, human beings on earth, and then of course with a great reputation as the ultimate good guy. Right, always the guy guy always yeah. wore a white hat. Uh, he was always the the well, hello, Jeff. Mm -hmm. enough. Sure, I'll get you, I'll cherry, get you candy. cherry candy for you and your wife. <laughs> what is she like? Where is she at? <laughs> oh, she's in the well. <laughs> Waiting. <laughs> um, there was a, oh, I also forgot about the bullet counting, like that, how they, they finally ambushed. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was some I, Sam yeah. Paul getaway stuff. Yeah. Went back that, to see some the, the, the 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 getaway or the uh, yeah the getaway they they count the twenty five shells that Steve McQueen shoots. Dad, count them. I count them. I went to see the getaway once just to count the shotgun shells, and it was accurate. It was exactly twenty five, and he threw the gun away. Uh, <laughs> they let the bullet count in. They didn't have to do a dialogue or like they didn't whisper. It would they just mouthed it. Mouthed and I like that they cut like between uh, the the bad guy doing it and uh, both Brenner. of them were doing it. <laughs> And, yeah, yeah. Henry Silva bad. Need, uh, I like I like Henry where it can move without dialogue <laughs> being spoken. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. a nice touch. That yeah. was I that's feel some like that talent was, there. That was unique in sh showing the counting. Yeah, 
as opposed to like a John Woo where it's just infinity bullets. Yeah. And the, the, then those, the classic of the, okay, after the bad guys even are shot or even in this case, like allowed to walk away, the bad guy has to have this reprisal, has to have one more thing. Like the bad, he could have just left at that point. Like, did, no, he, did he have the money with him already too? On the Sassabe River, <laughs> patrolling, being a moral hero. Right. But yeah, let's do that final charge and then like, like everything to stake. But but yeah, it was like, all right, but I thought it was a I thought it was well done, especially the, the bullet counting was really good. A, a clever way to ambush Frank Usher. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well that's an, that's uh episode three in the books. Uh thanks for listening if you made it this far. And um like and subscribe. The Elmore Leonard's podcast. All right. Talk to y'all soon. See you, buddy. See ya. See you, sure. Cool.